We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Excellent. Brilliant. Yeah, do, do come back wet next week. And Malcolm's actually uh, kicking off our series next week. So, uh, yeah, come and hear his story. Uh, you will be blessed mightily. So, hello. I'm Chris, and um, this morning we are, um, I was going to say do something a little bit different. We're going to be preaching from the Bible, so we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Um, So you can turn to um, that now. Alex and Camille, could you just go and grab some Bibles? If you um, haven't got a Bible with you this morning, then you could borrow one from us. And Alex and Camille, they'll come and bring you one to you in your seat. And if you just stick your hand up in the air, they will get it to you. Just keep it up until it arrives it will come. Um, they're just, they're, they're on the way. Um, and so when you get it, yeah, head to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. So you can start from the front and work through, uh, you know, Genesis and so on, and you'll get to Deuteronomy. We're going to be in chapter 31. But this morning, the reason why this morning is a little bit different is because we've called this morning Commissioning Sunday. And so um, the reason why we've called it that is because throughout the whole of the Bible, you will find instances where um, new leaders step into positions of responsibility amongst the people of God. And in almost every case, you find that there's a moment of prayer where the people of God, they gather around those people, they lay hands on them, they pray for them, and they essentially commission them. They thank God for them. They bless them and encourage them and say, well done, we we want to encourage you in the work that God has called you to do. And that happens throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so today, what we're going to do towards the end um, of our service is I'm going to invite up a bunch of different ministry leaders and spiritual leaders in our church, life group leaders, and we'll get them all up the front, and then I'm going to encourage you as a church to be praying for them, and, uh, and to pray for me and for Stuart, who are elders in the church as well. And so um, it was, it's fitting, then because there's lots of different stories across the Bible that I could have chosen where this kind of thing happens, and I just felt God leading me towards Deuteronomy, which is where Moses... Um, takes the time to commission Joshua, who is going to lead the people of God onwards. Now, um, let me give you a little bit of background. Moses had led the people of God for 40 years. He, um, he, he, some of you might know the story where the people of God were in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt by Pharaoh and, uh, and all his people. And God called Moses. Moses had spent... 40 years in the wilderness and God spoke to him out of a burning bush and he said I want you to go down to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let my people go and uh, there was all these plagues 10 plagues happened one after the other and finally Pharaoh relented said you can go and they started to go and but then Pharaoh changed his mind and as they approached there's a Red Sea the, the waters of the Red Sea part the people of God walk through on dry land and then it um, washes over the Egyptians so they all die they'd no longer chase him and God was encouraging Moses to take the people of God into the promised land now uh, what happened was that Moses sent 12 spies to go into the land and 10 of them came back and was like oh we we can't do it it's too much they're like giants we're never going to be able to do it but two of those spies came back and said yeah it's going to be difficult but we've got faith we believe this is what God's called us to do and one of those people was Joshua but 
Moses kind of went with a consensus with the majority and they didn't go into the land at that point. They ended up spending 40 years wandering around the desert and towards the end of Moses' time, as he, he was approaching now 120 years old, he takes this time to appoint Joshua, this man of faith, who's now going to lead the people into the promised land. And so as we get to Deuteronomy 31, what we find is this kind of moment where Moses speaks to the people and kind of commissions Joshua. And we're going to read through it, and then what we're going to do is we're going to go back through it, and I'm going to highlight seven key things that's important for leaders to know. In fact, really, it's important for all Christians to be aware of. So I'm trusting that as we go through these seven key things, that you also will have faith. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in God today, you'll have faith for these things in your life, but especially if you're someone who takes leadership responsibility in this church, that you would take hold of these things as well. And uh, if you don't know Jesus this morning, if, you don't, if you're not a believer of him, then what I pray is that as you listen in to what Christian leadership is meant to look like, that you actually would have faith that it's not always what it looks like on the TV uh, through our political systems and things like that. Actually, there's a different standard of leadership that God calls his Christian leaders to. Is that okay? Does that make sense, what we're doing this morning? And then once we've done that, we'll pray. Right, let's read. So, Josh, so Deuteronomy... Chapter 31, hopefully you found it by now. If you haven't, don't worry, because it will appear on the screen as well. Here we go. Moses, he went out and spoke. I'm going to see if I can... I'm going to read it from here. Then Moses went out and he spoke these words to all Israel. I'm now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself, he will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will also cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and he said to him, In the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So Moses wrote down this law and he gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, in the year of cancelling debts, during the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. So assemble the people, the men, the women, the children, and the foreigners residing in your towns, so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words in, of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. The Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near, so call Joshua and present yourself at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. We're going to stop there. 
So chapters, uh, verse 1 to 14, seven key things then that I want to pull out. Key for all Christians, especially key for leaders. And the first one is this, that we need humility. Verses 1 to 2, it says this, Moses went out and he spoke these words to all Israel. I'm now 100 years old, 120 years old. I'm no longer able to lead. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. You see, Moses had served God as the leader of Israel for just over 40 years, and he'd seen amazing miracles happen. I've already shared a few of those things. And, and yet throughout this time, he'd been leading the people of God, but he'd also been let down by people along the way. You know, I mentioned about those 12 spies that he sent into the land, and 10 of them came back kind of fearful and afraid. And they looked on in fear and the situation ahead of them instead of in faith. Moses, he, he didn't then end up taking the people in. But he'd seen, he'd seen the promised land. In fact, in chapter 34, he stood at a place called Mount Nebo, which I've had the privilege of standing at. This top of this mountain in Jordan where you can look out and you can see all the promised land. It's an incredible sight as you look on for miles and miles and miles of land. And so God allowed him to see the land. But in a moment of frustration, what happened was that the reason why Moses was not allowed to take the people into the land was because God told him to do something and he did something else. So back in Exodus chapter 17... The people, they're in the desert, they're crying out for water and they're, they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're kind of moaning at, at Moses and saying, oh, it would have been better for us to die in Egypt. Why, you know, why did you bring us out of the land? Why are we wasting away here in the desert? And God, said, God like showed his, his mercy and his grace on the people and God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, if you hit this rock, water will come out and then you can, you can, feed, you can you know, quench their thirst. So Moses did that, hits the rock, water comes out. He followed God's instructions. But then a few years later, and you read that in Numbers 20, this happened again. People are thirsty, it's like desert land. And God speaks to Moses again this time and he says, right, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock and water will come out. And what Moses does is he hits this rock twice. And because he disobeyed God, God said to him, right, you're not the one who's going to take the people into the promised land. You might think, oh, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> what? That's a bit harsh. It's because in that moment, I don't know if it's out of frustration, maybe it was out of anger, maybe it was, you know, he was just fed up with all the people moaning at him all the time because all he'd do was try to take, you know, all he did was trying to lead the people as faithfully as he could and they kept moaning at him and yet in this moment, he decided to disobey God and instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. And... God calls us not to pride, but actually to humility, to seeking him first, to listening to him, to trusting him. And in this passage, we get a Moses who has accepted that. He understands that. He's like, he's accepted the fact that actually it's not his job to take this people further into the promised land. And so he, he says it, plan his day, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. He's accepted it. He's humble enough to accept that it's not his job to carry on. And ultimately, I guess, it doesn't matter who gets to do the thing, who has the position, who has the role. What matters is that it gets done. And what matters is the humility of the person who's willing to do it. Leadership, ultimately, 
is about servanthood. It's about serving others. And I like to think about a little bit about it as a, a running a relay race. I had the joy a few weeks ago of watching my daughter run in a sports day. In fact, both my daughters competed, and uh, one of them did the relay. And, you know, you've got, you've got the baton, and it's important to go and hand it over. And the thing about carrying the baton in a relay race is a couple of things. One is, like, timing, passing it on at the right timing. But more importantly is how you hold the baton. Because you hold it too tightly, and it's, you don't pass it on. It's really hard to pass on. You hold it too loosely, and it kind of drops out your hand, and you're not really leading. And leadership is a bit like that. The leaders are called to hold the baton just in the right way. Not too tight. It's not yours to keep. It's not your identity. Not too loose. It, there is a job to do. There is action to be taken. You do need to lead and step forward but you need to hold it in the right way. And there always comes a time where you need to pass that baton on. That's the reality. And the humility is always required in that moment. We've seen some examples of handing on a baton this week in our public news, haven't we? And um, that might not be the best example of handing over leadership, but a good example is here, right here. Even Moses, he had the humility to accept that he wasn't, even though he'd seen God do all these amazing things, even though he had all the rights to be puffed up and proud, but look what God did through me. All the plagues, seeing the people set free, parting the waters, manna from heaven, quail, eggs from the Lord. By the way, quail is not fish, it's birds. So birds' eggs were given, fed, amazing miracles. I've made that mistake in the past. Uh, amazing miracles given and provided through him he could be puffed up and proud and no God I'm going to do it I'm going to take the people in but no here in this moment we see he has the humility to pass on the baton to Joshua sometimes the Lord will ask us to take on the role of serving through leadership and sometimes he asks us to pass it on and we've got to remember that and all of us whoever leads in this church in whatever position you lead in that it's not your identity, that leadership is your identity is a child of God, son and daughter of God, loved by him. But it's a, it's a thing that you're going to hold for a season, and at the right time, it's going to be right to pass on. Now this morning, I'm pleased to let you know, I'm not going to be passing on the baton just yet. Thankfully, I'm not 120 years old just yet, although I, sometimes I feel it. Um, but, we, but it is important, isn't it, that that time actually uh, one day will come. It's good for you guys to be aware of that. There will come a day where I need to pass on the leadership of the church. And so it's the job of every leader, isn't it, to raise up other leaders. Because there's no success without a successor. And that's what we see happening here. Moses, he raised, he raised up Joshua and others to take on responsibility across the church. And I'm really pleased that we've got an amazing church full of wonderful people willing to take up responsibility all across the church. And I'm looking forward to you know, bringing them up and praying for them this morning. So it's good. So let's have humility. Let's be people with humility. Let's hold the positions of leadership that we have, not too tightly, not too loosely, but let's hold them and be ready when we need to, to hold them humbly like Moses did. Second thing is action. It says, the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will also cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said, and the Lord will do to them what he said to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along, along with their land. 
And then it says in verse 5, key verse, the Lord will deliver them to you and you must do to them all that I've commanded you. Now, just before I carry on too much into this, it's important to note that we are def- very different to this time. You know, we're not the Israelites, are we? We're not that kind of uh, ancestral line from Abraham. We're also not being called, as a people of God, to go into the promised land and to wipe out people. We're not, um, we're not, like, there's, there's, we're not like the one leader over all of the people of God uh, handing over that kind of responsibility. And so it's important that we, we, you know, we kind of take the principles from this passage and apply them to us today. What are the kind of principles that work through all of Scripture and apply them? And I think here is a good principle. So we're not... We're not going to destroy any land. We're not going to take possession of anything. We're not going to ask the Lord to do these things. But what we can take is from verse 5 where it says, The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I've commanded. The Lord, what my point I want to make is that the Lord does, and we must do. There is action required. The Lord does, and we must do. God is at work, but that doesn't mean that leaders are passive. God is at work, but that doesn't mean that leaders just lie down and okay well I'm waiting for God you to do something no leaders take action leaders take action throughout the whole of the bible often this is what faith looks like God speaks to someone and then they have to take a step of faith so God spoke to Moses at the burning bush and Moses said to God well how will I know that you're with me Lord and the Lord says okay well you go and do the stuff and when you look back on what's happened you will see that I was with you so it's like, what? <laughs> Lord, I want you to just show me now that you're with me. And God says, no, no, you need to take steps of faith. You need to take steps. You need to take action. And as you do it, you will see that my hand is with you. Later on, when he appoints Joshua and Joshua gets ready to take the people into the promised land, they, there's a massive Jordan River in the way. And it's at high tide and it's overflowing. You can read about that in Joshua chapter 1. And just like Moses had to do before, there is an obstacle in the way. And God says to him, Get the Levitical priests to stand in the river, and when they stand in it, then I will part the waves. So you take a step of faith first, you take action, and when you've done that, then I will work, and I'll do something. Leaders are called to take action. One of the very, yeah, and so it requires action, it requires faith, it requires trusting God to move and to keep doing. We trust that God will move. But that doesn't mean we're passive, actually. It means that we also must act. We can expect our leaders to look to God. We can expect our leaders to be full of faith. We can expect our leaders to act on behalf of the people. We can expect our leaders to step into uh, places and to be creative and to step into the things that God is calling them to. We can expect our leaders not to serve humbly before the Lord, but also to take to take action and so I want to encourage you that you know as you look to your life group leaders and you look to your trustees and you look to your elders let's encourage them to take action not to be passive but to step into the things that God is calling them and when you know I don't know you know when we um, have our vision evenings and we say oh we believe that God wants us to do this then let's encourage them and we can go hey how's that going How are we doing with that thing? How are we doing with loving people towards Jesus? How are we doing with, you know, I don't know, doing fun days? How are we doing with stepping into the things that you've called us to? How how are we doing? How can I help? How can I be of service? How can I help you in the ministry that God has called us to as a church? We can expect that. Action is part of leadership. Third thing, 
it says in verse 6, we need to have faith. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. God is with you. It's amazing promises that every single person who puts their trust in God can believe in. That God will never forsake them. God will never leave them. It's the promise that comes up more than any other across the Bible. That the Lord has not given up on you. And that's exactly the same for leaders in the church. There is much to be fearful of in the life of a Christian. There's much to be fearful of in life in general, but especially in leadership. Fearful of what other people think. Fearful of what the enemy's at work doing. Fearful that you won't succeed. Fearful that the plans won't flourish. Fearful that, um, like Moses, you'll have people complaining to you about the way that you're leading. And all those things can mean that you cower back and you don't take steps of faith and you don't step out. And God calls leaders to faith to faith, not to look on in fear, but to look on in faith at all that God will do. To take action, to be humble, and to step out in faith. The amazing thing is that God knows that none of us are special. He knew that Moses wasn't special. At this point, Moses is 120, and he's gone through all sorts of ups and downs. He killed someone. He ran away. He spent 40 years in the desert. He then trusted God and followed him. God told him to act, and then he disobeyed him and struck the stone instead he's gone through all sorts of ups and downs God knows he's not perfect and yet God is promising actually do you know what I haven't left you and just as I haven't left you I'm not going to leave Joshua either and you can you can have faith to step out not because you are good but because I am with you that's that's the phrase in it. it says don't be afraid or terrified for the Lord goes with you the basis for not being afraid or terrified for every single Christian and for every single leader is not because you are somehow good, not because you are somehow perfect, not because you are somehow going to be the best at the thing that you do. The reason not to be afraid is because God is with you. Because he's for you and he's not going to leave you and he's not going to forsake you. And so we need leaders who are full of faith. Let me give you some encouragement from Romans. We read a bit earlier. Here's a bit more. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So who will bring a charge against those who God has chosen? Who is it that justifies? It's God. So who is then the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and he is praying. He is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship? Shall persecution? Shall famine? Nakedness? Shall danger or sword? No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. The conquerors come from the... We can be conquerors because God loves us. He's with us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can have faith. Leaders, you can have faith. Christians, you can have faith that God is not going to leave you. You can be strong and courageous. You don't need to be afraid or terrified because you know that he won't leave you. And amazingly, although Moses is saying these words to Joshua, God picks up this theme in the first book of Joshua in chapter 1 and he reiterates 
those kind of promises. And this time it's from God to Joshua. And it's like God's reminding him, hey, remember those things that Moses prayed for you about? I'm now affirming them. And so I'm trusting today that as we pray for these leaders and as we bless them, as we ask God to encourage them, as we prophesy over them and as we speak to them, that actually that we can trust that the Lord actually might do exactly the same, that he would encourage as well and he would bless and he would affirm the words that we're praying on these people. They don't need to be afraid, but they can be strong and courageous. They can have faith to step into all that God is calling them to. So there we go. Humility, action, faith. Number four is, this is about relationships. Leadership is relational. It says in verse seven, Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. He says it again. For you must go with this people. It's not just a random people. It's not just a different group. But it's with this people into the land that I swore to your ancestors. You must go with this people. It involves going. So that's the action thing again. And doing, as we've said. But it's specific to a group of people. For as long as... as God has called you, leaders, to this church. I want to encourage you to be in relationship, in good relationship with the people that are here. God calls you to this people. Throughout the Bible, people matter. We've just gone through the book of Ruth, this wonderful family that left the promises of God but returned to him and God cares about the individuals. We step into Exodus and God cares about the individuals. You step into Joshua, God cares. And Esther, God cares. And in the New Testament, God cares about every single individual. Individuals matters. Family matters. The flock matters. The people of God matters. The body matters. The whole of the New Testament, it picks up this theme about how each one of us are part of the body of God and how the hand is important and the foot is important but the hand can't be jealous of the foot and can't complain or can't act like a foot because otherwise you'd be walking around like this and it'd just be weird no no the hand needs to do its job and when the hand doesn't do its job doesn't do the thing that God has called him to then actually the rest of the body is deprived and the whole body suffers and so every single person has got their own gifts got their own strengths got their own calling, got their own things that God has placed on them. And every part, every part is called to play a part in the body. And leaders are called to do this in relationship with those around them. And this is glorious and it's hard. Being in relationship with people is hard. Caring about others is hard. It means that you care about everyone and it hurts deeply when some walk away or when some get upset with you or when some are not happy with you but that's what God calls us to he calls us to a people he calls us to care he calls us to relationship these are God's people ultimately that he is entrusted to us we did dedication on Sunday last week and every single baby that was dedicated we were reminded this is God's child made in God's image entrusted to the parents for a season for them to look after it's exactly the same as the church you are God's people made in God's image, entrusted to the leaders for a season. And the job of leaders is to care for this people, to be in relationship, to do all they can. Just like any shepherd, sometimes that means all sorts of things. Encouragement, sometimes it means discipline, sometimes it means training, sometimes it means acknowledging, sometimes it means uplifting, sometimes it means honouring. It means all sorts of different things, but it's, we're called to do it in relationships. Shepherds know their flock and an as under-shepherds in Christ's church, Jesus being the great high shepherd, leaders are called 
to care for the flock as well. Okay, so there we go. Number five, they're also called to be encouraging. Um, So it says this, the Lord, verse eight, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You might feel like, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, because Moses is repeating it. He's, he, remember, he's saying this to Joshua. He's getting ready to commission Joshua. And you know what? Everyone needs encouragement, especially leaders. And so Moses comes to Joshua again and says, hey, come on. The Lord himself, he's going to be with you. Don't be afraid. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Don't be discouraged. He's saying it again. In fact, three times in these, in these eight verses we've read so far, Uh, Moses is giving encouragement to Joshua. Leaders need encouragement. Often they get criticism. When everything's going well, it's fabulous. But when things get tough, they get all the flack. And I want to encourage you, hey, let's be people that encourage. Let's be people that support. Let's be people that uphold and honour. I've I've been uh, thinking about this analogy recently of football. I love football. And often you see... um, the football team and you've got the stadium and you've got all the, the manager and you've got all the coaches and they're doing their best to try to encourage the team to play to their best potential and when the team's winning it's fantastic and the whole stadium's linked in arms and jumping up and down isn't this amazing oh, our team's so good and they dance and they shout and they go, oh isn't this brilliant and it's all we and us and isn't this fantastic and then the following week the team loses and everyone in the stadium, they're kind of pointing the finger. Oh, I can't believe that manager did that. I can't believe the coaching team chose that formation. If I was in charge, I would have done this. And do you know what? Moses, he, he comes and he encourages. And he says, hey, no, we're with you. you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be discouraged. The Lord is with you. You know, I want to encourage uh, all of us as a church to be people that encourage our leaders to get behind them, to support them, to say, hey, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I be encouraging to you? It's so easy, I think, sometimes to point the finger, let's be people that encourage. Moses is brilliant at doing that. He has all sorts of reasons to be upset and a bit disgruntled with himself and not happy that God's chosen this guy instead of him. And yet, he, he encourages. We all need it sometimes. We don't depend on man's empty praise. And equally... Um, we also don't, uh, we shouldn't be puffed up by, um, by praise, but we shouldn't be taken down by criticism. And so as well as encouraging the people to encourage our leaders, I want to encourage leaders, what does this mean for you? It means you need to take your source of encouragement from the Lord. You need to learn to come to the Lord to be replenished, to get all your sustenance from him. Because... The thing is, you will go through all sorts of different challenges and trials. And in those moments, where are you going to get fed? Where are you going to be filled up? It needs to come from God. Because if you've built your life it coming from other people, then what will happen is when that stops, you're going to fall away. And it's going to be really difficult. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, if you're a leader, whoever you might be in this room, first and foremost... Your identity needs to come from God. And that's why I think it's amazing that in Joshua chapter 1, God comes before Joshua and he reiterates these words and says, be strong and courageous. And Joshua takes his son, because Moses is dead. Moses is long gone. At that point, what's Joshua going to do? Is he going to step into what God's called him to or is he going to back away? And he hears again that encouragement from God. He gets his sustenance from God, his replenishing from God, and he steps in. So leaders, you need to do the same. 
church, let's be encouraging too. We can help them along with that. Number six, leaders are called to help people to love God with all their heart and also to help those who don't know God to learn to love God with all their heart. It's the great commission and the great commandment at work. Let me read verses 9 to 13. So so Moses wrote down this law. He gave it to the Levitical priests. He carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Law to all the elders of Israel. And then Moses commanded them at the very end of the seven years, at the year of cancelling deaths during the festival, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord, um, your God at at the place he will choose, you shall read this before them. And it says this, Assemble the people, men, women, children, all the foreigners residing in the land, so that, there's a, there's a so, so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. And then it says, and their children who don't know this law, they must hear it and they learn and they can fear the Lord your God as long as they live. So everyone is involved. Here's a picture. Everyone's involved. There's a community event. The, the whole family comes together. The children, the men, the women, the young, the old. Everyone comes together in this moment, in this communal thing of commissioning the new leader. And the objective of leadership is what? It's to teach so that others would listen and they would learn to be obedient to the Lord. And that's what we're about. We're about building family. We want to, we have this strap phrase for us as a church, what we're about, building family, sharing Jesus and helping others. And here we get those things coming out. Building families, about helping bring disciples, helping others to learn, to love God, to step forward in the things that God's called them to. And that's what leaders in our church are called to do, is to help others to grab hold of all that God's got them for, got them for to help them to learn the law, to read the Bible, to learn what it means to follow him. And the great commandment is that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. But it's also to love others as yourself. Helping others is a key phrase. Helping others to learn to love God. Helping others to, um, to and, and supporting them and loving them as you love yourself is all part of that uh, great commandment. But it goes on to say, there's going to be people amongst you that don't know Jesus. That don't love God. And that you need to help them too. You need to help them learn to love God for themselves. And so that's the great commission. It's sharing Jesus. And so leaders are called, and Christians in fact, are all called to encourage others to learn to love God to read their Bible to grow in faith and love of him but also to share the good news of Jesus with others to help those who don't know him yet to love him and to learn and to grow because it's amazing this is the best thing isn't it the gospel it's good news to all people the great commission the great commandment at work in this passage as Moses encourages Joshua and he says come on let's be people that make sure we help others to love God and let's be people that help those who don't know God to love him too building families, sharing Jesus, helping others. It's what all Christians are called to do and it's what the leaders in Hope Church are called to help all of us do as well. And the last one is, this is number seven, is that the commissioning happens in community. So verse 14 says, The Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Joshua and Moses presented themselves at the tent of meeting. See, it was a community event. We know that the men, the women, the children are all there together and they all gather at this tent of meeting. It's where they gather to meet with God. It's a bit like what we're doing this morning. We gather together to meet with God on a Sunday in community together 
And notice it's not actually Moses who commissions Joshua. The verse says, gather together at the place of meeting where I will commission him. It's God who commissions. It's God who sets apart. It's God who anoints. It's God who encourages. It's God actually at work who is the one who um, blesses Joshua and says, right, now you're ready to get on and lead the people of God. And the others are gathered around in community, encouraging and blessing and praying for and seeing this happen. They gathered together and as they did, the Lord blessed and commissioned Joshua for the work that he had prepared in advance for him to do. It's the Lord who calls. It's the Lord who commissions. It's, it's our job to look on in faith and trust God for those he's calling and entrusting to us to lead us, to pray for them, to encourage them, to exhort them, to, to pray, pray for our leaders, pray for them, say, God, would you have your way? And then help them to, to be humble, help them to take action, help them to have faith, help them to to be encouraged, help them to step out into things he called them to, help them not to be afraid of the, of the great commission or the great commandment, help them to disciple and to teach and to train and, and to equip, help them to be uh, people who know you and love you and take their identity from you. And so this morning as we come together, we want to do all these seven things. We want to trust God for all these seven things. God who is the covenant keeper, God, who's the one who is faithful. God, who's the one who saves, which is what Joshua means. Actually, the Lord saves. God, who's the one who's at work. We want to trust that actually, as we pray for these people, as we bless them, as we ask God to have their hand on them, that actually he will equip, he will anoint, he will set apart, he will encourage, and, um, and that they would be strong and courageous. That they wouldn't be fearful or afraid, but they would have faith to act and to step forward and to help to lead this church forward is that okay seven key things that we can we want to see and pray for and encourage in our leaders and together as a community what i'd like us to do is i'd like us i'd just like to invite the band back up for a second and um parents maybe this is a time for you to go and kind of grab your kids because we're going to bring them all in i want them to be part of all of this as well well, we're just going to take a moment to worship, and then, is that to just do a song? Yeah, we'll just take a moment to worship. If you need to go to the creche to go and get your kids at the creche, and go and get your kids from creche as well, whilst we worship, and then we'll come back together, and I'll lead us in some time of just praying, and uh, sharing some news about all our different leaders. So let's stand together, and um, let me just pray, and then and we'll worship. Heavenly Father, we just want to, I do want to thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you, Lord God, for all the different things that we can learn from it. And we thank you, Lord God, that throughout your Bible, we kind of get a bit of a blueprint, a mandate, an encouragement for the things that we're called to do now, today, to step into and to keep working through. Lord, I thank you for every single Christian in this room, every single person who's put their trust in you. And I pray, Lord God, would you help them to, to embody all these things that we've talked about. Help them to be humble. Help them to be servant-hired. Help them to have faith. Help them to take action in their day-to-day. -day. Help them to, to, to trust you. 
Help them to know their identity that comes from you. Help them not to be discouraged or afraid, but to step into all the things you've called them to. Help them to have faith, Lord, for the day. others, sharing the good news of the gospel with others. Lord, I pray that for every single person who's put their trust in you. And Lord, we especially pray that for our leaders. We especially pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be a people who lead well, who are humble, who take action, who are faith-filled, who are encouraged by you, who find our identity in you, who know the great commission and the great commandment, who love you, who love others, who are called to this people, who do things in relationship, who step out into the things, all that you've called us to. And I, I just pray, Lord God, as we just take a moment to worship, I pray, Lord God, would you fill each and every one of us in this room again with your spirit. Lord, even those who don't perhaps know you yet, Lord, I pray, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you help us to know that you are real, that you are good, that you are true? I thank you again that we're just reminded again of the gospel this morning, that it's not our righteousness that we stand on, but it's a righteousness that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we, just, as we worship, as we just take a moment to sing to you, I pray would you fill us with your spirit once again. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.